Welcome to Eavesdropping at the Movies. I'm Jose. I'm Mike. What did you think of Marley's game? Can I say, for the first thing, uh, I've got a bit of a cold. So, if I have the sniffles, if I cough a bit... <laughs> It'll be like a bell. Your voice. <laughs> trying to fill up on, on, on water. Uh-huh. So, Marley's and, game. Start making excuses. I'm not making excuses. Uh-huh. And spoilers to come. Lots of spoilers. So... Molly's Game, Aaron Sorkin's directorial debut. He's known for writing. I, I was wondering actually about Jessica Chastain, because I think there's no there's no actress I can remember at the moment that I like watching as much. Amy She's, Adams? No. I, 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 uh, there's okay. things about Amy Adams that annoy me occasionally. I mean, I, I like her very much as well, but she occasionally annoys me. But, uh, but I just think that uh, Jessica Chastain is so smart and she's so beautiful and I, I really love looking at her. And she's such a good actress. But I think this film and her last kind of indicate a potential problem, which is that she's choosing her films on the basis of what she conceives as intelligent scripts. And they always end up being kind of interesting films with cracking dialogue and actually a cracking part for her in what I think are not very good films. What was the film... The last one was the one about the solicitor. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of, because I thought I thought a character in this was pretty much identical. Yes. Actually, no, no, that's not quite true. The one, the, the one in that film was more cynical. Um, this one, actually, the quite interesting thing, I think, about the character in this one is that she's ultimately pretty honest. Yes, I, don't be- I didn't believe it for a second. I think it's a problem in the writing. I think it would... How so? I don't think anybody's that pure. You know, especially if you've been running like a kind of a poker game in, in, in two coasts, you know, that all of a sudden you kind of risk your whole life in jail and everything so that you don't name names. But that's the point. I mean, she please. No, but that's the point. She doesn't, um, she doesn't, she, she keeps herself as clean as she can while she's running the games to, to prevent that possibility. That no, she keeps, it, keeps it legal. And then, and so at the end. Well, okay, I know what you mean. Like, you think she should sell out, basically, or she would sell out. Well, I think, you know, kind of everybody was involved in this. So the thing about keeping names because it might ruin some other some other person's family, I think it's, it's, it's a question of, like, ruining somebody else's family because of what they did wrong, you know, or you saving your ass because of what you did. Why wouldn't you? I, I, I just don't get that. Okay. That means you have a fundamental problem with... Because I think, you know, I can believe that someone has principles. I believe that people have principles, but I also kind of don't believe that people are stupid in situations like that. And I, I don't think this is about principles. I think it's... But it's what it comes down to is... I she, think it's, it's she a has night... a, No, what it comes down to is she has a name to defend. That's what she says. I she believe says, that. Well, that's what I didn't that, believe that, it. Okay, so that's, okay. you know... That's what that scene leads to. That scene's about getting out of her. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And when push comes to shove... She only has one thing left in the world, which is her name, and that's important to her. Yes, though that's not even true. You know, she's got 2.5 million in collectible debts that, uh, that, are, that she can collect. You know, she's got like several million that the government is holding on to her and could hold on to later. And she's got assets. She's got a story to sell. And th- yeah, so that's, I, A, that was not true. Right, but she's actually, but, but the point is that by risking it all, to go to jail, she's saying that isn't important enough to me. I can risk all of that as long as I'm not risking my name. That's well, the point of that. 
I think that's what the film would like you to believe is the point of that. But I think, A, the film is not being honest about it. Uh, okay. Uh, and, and then I also kind of don't believe that that's a decision that people would make without, you know, kind of being convinced of the various variables at play. And I don't think the film did that. Okay. I mean, that's, that's to me, is the point where the film started to get good. Yes. And well, I, that's when I started to, buy, to actually buy into it. Well, I think that's the point where I almost like groaned. And I find it phony. Just the same way that I find all its psychologizing phony. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's one of those things that you, you read through it and you think, oh, the structure's interesting. Her character's certainly interesting. It's got cracking dialogue. And then, you know, like, that conception of people and of society is, to me, really flawed. And, and you know, not very enlightened. Not, it doesn't show a good understanding of, 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 of human beings to me. Ultimately, you're saying you don't believe that, any, that this could have happened... Well, it's based on a true story. Mm. So, you know, it kind of, it clearly happens. But I think p- people are much more complex than this. And trying to whitewash out their complexity doesn't do anybody any favors. Uh, you know, what I find is very flawed, which is, are the two absolutely central things in the film, is the reasons why she decides to plead guilty. And also, the way that the film um, structures everything around her relationship with her father. Mm. Well, the father maybe we'll get on to, well, we will get on to. Um, I mean, I've got here, it's, it's it's kind of what you get on Wikipedia and sort of around that is, you know, you don't get the kind of, I haven't read the book, right? And the book is obviously the only one version of it anyway. Yes. Um, so what it has here is, she pleaded guilty to a lesser charge for her involvement in the operation and was sentenced to a year of probation, pay a $1,000 fine and perform 200 hours of community service. Well, that's what the film tells us. And that's what the film tells us. But what the film doesn't make clear is the lesser charge. You know, because you're watching the film and you think this is what she's being charged with. It's not like some lesser charge. That's true. Uh, anyway. But I, 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 I mean, what can I say? I found it believable that someone would, at the end of it... I mean, basically, the entire film, she hasn't been shown at any point to really be dishonest. Apart, she, She's a little bit cheeky when she steals the game from the guy who formerly was her boss. No. She steals all the clients and and runs off and sets That's up her own game. That's more than cheeky. That's more than cheeky. Right? You know, but it's, That's but, robbery. No, it's not. Yes, problem. it is. I mean, not taking the clients. No, no, it's their choice. But no, 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 no. There, are, you know, you you can't just think about goods as things. You know, kind of goods are structures and relationships. And actually, if you were to walk off, you know, at a te- at a talent agency with somebody else's clients, right, that mm. would be considered theft. And actually, mm. they do everything. Paul, they lock people's offices down. To prevent them from doing that kind of thing. Yeah. That well, is what, if, what she does. He should have been smarter. Sorry? He should have been smarter when he fired her. He should have. Yeah, well, you know, the Indian should have been smarter. Like <laughs> in North America as well. That's a kind of, uh, that's quite you know. comparable. Well, it is. She's a crook. It's like, it's like saying, okay, if you've been robbed, you should have been smarter. You know, you should have had better security. You should have hired a thug to be outside your house. It's your fault you got robbed. That's what you're saying. Well, no, what I'm saying is it's still fair enough to say don't go into rough areas, you know, in town. You know, stick to lit streets. Like, even like, it's not saying it's your fault if you get robbed, but if you were stupid enough to let her away with all your clients. I mean, you're trying to tread the line that the film does, which is she's basically a nice person, you know, except, you know, no. I didn't say nice. I said fundamentally pretty honest. Okay. 
And she is. I mean, the film definitely wants to give you that impression. And, and Jessica Chastain makes that very convincing in a way. But the thing is that the film denies you all kinds of information that, you know, I would, I would have liked to have known. So we see her, we see that she has a lot of drugs. We actually don't get to see how the drugs begin to affect her judgment, mm. right? Uh, she doesn't seem to have any personal life at all in the 10 years that the film covers. No, I mean, the, Miss Sloan did the same thing. The one about the lawyer, the previous one. Yeah. They did pretty much the same thing. That's what I'm saying. The characters are pretty similar. Um, but, you know, someone, a woman who's kind of driven and obsessed by a job, yes. basically. Yeah, but, you know, kind of, she's driven and obsessed by her job. And I think she takes drugs in that as well. But she's in her 20s, and you have no sense of a sex life. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, that she should have been given a boyfriend or something, but some indication that she's a fully rounded human being, not just like this pure conscience and... You know, so the film let's likes not, to have let's, it, not, let's not overdo whether it had pure conscience. Well, the thing is, I think the film likes to have it both ways. On the one hand, she's running a poker game. On the other hand, they make her seem like Mother Teresa. No, I don't think. Yes, that's... they do. No. No. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying you're wrong about it. Like, I think she she expected to be more honest than it is. The script wants to go there, right? But for example, the moment where, you know, the mafioso, the the meeting with the mafioso. Yeah, who come in, who, who arrange to have her beaten up later. I would have liked kind of all of those things to be tied in better together to a sense of her declining, right? Of the increased use of drugs, the increased illegality of the, of the game, the, the, the increase in the number of money that she's raking in and the, and the, and the risk that that represents, right? I agree. You know, so. I do agree. I think there are parts, I, I think the, the story's a little too slick. Um, I don't like a lot of the narration, to be honest. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's 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 kind of glib. And although it kind of... You end up with scenes that are very enjoyable and kind of complete. Actually, there's there's connective tissue or there's a kind of... Some of the underlying drama seems to be light or missing. Mm. I kind of... I do agree with you. But I, I don't... But, and that's why I say, actually, I think the film starts to come good once once you get into that final act and, and kind of consequences start to become more mm-hmm. manifest, more, more, more realistic. Also, Sorkin is not a director. You know, there's not a single memorable shot or memorable staging. Like, you know, he has the dialogue and close-ups carry everything. Yeah. Well, he's, he's heavy on effects right at the start. The, the, the film opens with uh, Molly telling the story of her, her attempt to become a, a, a downhill skier yeah. on, the, on the US Olympic team. And it's scuppered when she hits a stick and mm. falls and breaks her back. Mm. Um, which is a great opening scene. There's, there's momentum and there's there's a, there's a story behind it. And um, but he's he's heavy on the kind of visual effects. When he's talking, you know, it's overlays on the screen that show you the angle of the slope, and then and then you, you, it shows up the great pyramid to show you it's the same angle and things like that. And it's a you, you're watching it going, oh, this is very overdone. Yes, I think calms okay. down. That calms down. I mean, but, it showed no no imagination, no visual imagination. I mean. You know, the closest they got to it was when they were playing the poker game and, you know, you had at the bottom of the screen the hand that they could have gotten. or the, Yeah, where just, it takes off from TV presentations. Of yeah, poker. but but exactly, right? So no, Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, so, I mean, apart from that, yeah, like, when it comes to staging or blocking, there's there's nothing that's, that strikes you when you think back. It, it's all there to... to Sharp performance, basically. Yes. I mean, that's why that, that's why that's why Sorkin has a reputation is because of his dialogue 
ultimately. Mm. And I think his dialogue, when you find an actor who can deliver it, mm. it sings, you know, and that, and he's been fortunate. And I think, I, I think kind of when you look at the dialogue on the page, it speaks for itself. Like it tells you how it should be mm. delivered, I think, which is quite, uh, that's quite good dialogue. I think mm. it's got a personality just in, just in the words. And, and then he, and then someone like Jessica Jastain, or if you think back to the newsroom, I think, um, Oh, the girl who plays Sloane Sabbath, I can't remember her name. Um, th- there, is, there are certain people who've, who've had his dialogue mm. who use it really, but they get it. Yes. I think Jessica, Jessica Chastain is one of them. Yes. Well, you know, the, the audience of the screening that we saw it responded very much to some of the lines, yeah? Yeah, there were laughs. Um, it's quite a full cinema. Yeah, so not as often as you know, one might think. But there were some lines that just zinged, you know, yeah. that kind of the audience got immediately. Um, but I don't think it's enough, you know, for a film. No. Um, so I found it, uh, I found it very disappointing. And actually, there were a couple of things that just was more than disappointing that I just uh, despised, you know. And one was the way, th- you know, the whole thing, uh, the whole discussion in the film about psychoanalysis. You know, uh, uh, which begins in a dialogue at the table where uh, Molly has a critique of it. And of course, her father's a therapist. And, you know, so uh, it's a veiled attack on him. Um, But then actually kind of, you know, the way that everything is neatly wrapped up with a conversation in the park between, you know, father and daughter, where he says, you know, this usually takes years, but you're not paying. So, you know, I'll give you the answers, really. That scene annoyed me. And I thought it was like... I thought it was it made me ill oh, that scene had yeah. a huge amount of just he, he shows up out of the blue to fix her problems it was like because it's not been a really an ongoing thing you've seen the dad a few times but he really mainly showed up at the start of the film and so he comes back in pretty much from out of nowhere and fixes everything it's real deus ex machina stuff from the dad it's terrible it's bizarre I, and I don't mind the two of them having a reconciliation and a conversation about everything that's happened between them I think it's but a, it's so it's a quick. betrayal of the film yeah you know, like, so on the one hand, one of the, you know, I think it's a fault, but it, it can also be seen as a very interesting fault that, you know, you have this character, you know, and there's kind of, you know, she's, she doesn't have a boyfriend or she, well, what I find the fault is that she's not shown to have a sex life, but actually it's good that she doesn't have a boyfriend, that no particular man is kind of, you know, significant in her life in that way, right? So, you know, so you, you, you make her absolutely the center of the film. To do what? So that instead of being rescued by a man, she could be rescued by daddy. Mm. It's even worse. Yeah. I hated it. <laughs> and then, and, and that comes hot on the heels of Idris Elba as her lawyer, yes. um, defending her to the hilt yes. in, a, in a speech, in a, in a conversation between her and the prosecution, the, the government's after at this point. And, um, and, you know, it's a quite impassioned speech and it's quite convincing, but it has this thing of, he's saving me. You know? Yes. Um, she And it's, it's like she's... I mean, I suppose there's something interesting about it insofar as what he's saying to them about the kind of... The, the content of her character and the way she's conducted herself is stuff that she hadn't really considered herself. Yes. You know, when someone says something nice about you yes. and you didn't really realise other people saw that or you mm. didn't even see that, mm. that's kind of interesting. That but it still has this tone of saving the day. Yeah. I don't know. I mean... Yeah, there were certain things that I liked about this film. Um, I actually liked all the all the uh, poker stuff. 
mm. you know, and the, and the poker games and the relationships between the players and, you know, kind of uh, the types of players, all of that stuff I found interesting. As somebody who doesn't understand a thing about poker, I just found it interesting. So he made that interesting to me. There's a famous actor in these poker games, which is Michael Cera. Although through the narration, because the narration I think is supposed to be sort of uh, what, what was told in her book. Yes. Um, it's her point, it's her, her telling the yeah, story. Yeah, it's her telling of the story within the film. So uh, through the narration, she's known as Player X. He's known as Player X. Yeah. But but, I, but you can see it's Michael Cera. He's right there. And he's very good. He's mm. smug and all the rest. I like Michael Cera's performance very much for the reasons that you mentioned. Uh, I thought with that... I thought Idris Elba is at the most appealing that I've seen him in a long time, mm. right? So, you know, he's not dazzling you, but at least he's not bad, and he's got a lovely presence. I agree with you. I, I like him. I think he's an interesting character. He's, he's the kind of guy, he takes a chance on her when, yes. when he shouldn't really. Yes. Um, and he has this relationship with his daughter, which is... It's interesting. It also, it's, it's there to mirror Molly's relationship, relationship with, with her father. Dad. Uh, it's also there. It's you quite know. touching, I think. I like it. He clearly loves her and he cares for her and he's hard on her. Yes. And and I think you know there's an there's an attempt to make that kind to racialize it in a way. So like saying you know this wonderful father and this really kind of lovely girl studying so hard, they're you know they're black, right? Like you know. So I think there's an effort in the present culture to at least kind of afford some kind of representation to that kind of. But, but I found the film very dissatisfying. It's, and actually, I feel it's interesting because on the one hand, you say it's intelligent and there's so much intelligence behind it, you know, and it's, it's not like, it's not terribly, you know, directed or anything. Mm. But actually, I think that there's something to me so much more unsatisfying about something that is like intelligence half-baked or, yeah. you know, entire components missing like, I really think the direction is a problem. Not not because what we see is so terrible, how we're shown it is so terrible, but actually because a, a really good director could have brought so much more, the, you know, so much more dimensions to, you know, what we're shown and how we're shown it and how dramatic that's made to seem. Yeah. I think there's a whole dimension of the film missing. You feel like the film could have been so much more expressive. Yes, In so do. many ways. Um, I, th- um, I mean, I'm surprised that you haven't used the word schmaltz yet because that's how I started to feel. Um, um, I, which is not normally, normally we're the other way around and yes. I'm the one who loves that stuff um, but in this film I, I was actually going like w- when the slightly schmaltzy element started to kick in um, and, and like a bit of lovely guitar music was playing towards the end I thought oh um, I, was, <laughs> I, I was kind of thinking this film deserves more this character deserves more actually yes. this, like, her, like the character of Molly that's a really lovely way of putting it actually that the character of Molly and what Jessica Chastain brings to it Deserves a better film. Yeah, I think they kind of do. I think she deserves... She, her character is intelligent and and fundamentally decent, although we can kind of yeah, yeah, argue no, around the edges. The fundamentally um, we can agree on. Um, and, and I think when it comes down to it's daddy issues Ugh. and we're going to make up <laughs> about that, I thought, oh, God, this, this, this is not... Actually, her character in the film has been promising something richer than this. Yes. Um, and you know what I hate the most? It's when he buys them dinner. <laughs> fucking shit. That's right. So she, she gets off with a much smaller <laughs> charge, much smaller sentence than she was expecting. Everyone was expecting about three and a half years in jail or something. So daddy comes back 
you know, he, he supports her emotionally. He's there to find his daughter not guilty and just get community service, or guilty but only with community service. And then, having done all of that, he's even, you know, he even buys the whole family dinner. And, and actually, the narration tells you that. He bought us dinner. Yeah. It wasn't just say, we had dinner. Yeah. <laughs> he is on that. It was overly narrated. It's, speaking of which, my dad, it's, it's 1st of January as we record this, and my dad sent me two text messages today that both said, Happy New Year. One would have done. <laughs> well, he loves you double. <laughs> I, sent, I sent him one back. That's all you need. Uh, well, kind of, you know, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be grudge that. You should be... Well, you know, uh, hey, look, when I'm, when I'm being pursued by the government and they've taken $5 million off me and... He'll I'm, be there. Yeah. Then, buying you dinner. Frankly, I will accept his explanation that it's all daddy issues. <laughs> But until that time, you can send me one text. And that <laughs> anyway, um, so so a disappointment, but I suppose worth seeing for Jessica Chastain's performance. Yeah, um, and Michael Sears and Idris Elba's. Yes, and actually, I, I don't know how to put it. There's something very interesting about Aaron Sorkin's writing. So as I said, it had a really interesting structure. You know, he's drawn kind of really interesting characters. He's, he, he's got lines that, like you said, sink. People respond to them. But on the other hand, there was also something very unsatisfying about the way that these people in this situation was flushed out. And I think it's a bit of an interesting thing to think about. Is he just flush, right? Because to me, the kind, there's a kind of a lack of complexity in these relationships. Or does he just maybe need eight hours in which to flush out those relationships? I mean, there is a problem because I do think that film is a poetic medium. And so things have to be condensed, you know, and you have to use kind of, you know, metaphor and so on, right? Because, you know, it has mm. to be told within like around two hours, 90 minutes, two hours, yeah? So, so maybe he, he, you know, maybe he's a TV writer. Well, that may be the case. Don't forget um, A Few Good Men. You know, don't forget uh, The Social Network, which is properly brilliant. And, and structurally, I think, even more ambitious than this. I mean, this... Uh, Who directed The Social Network? David Fincher. Imagine if David Fincher had directed. I know, but and I also I wonder if this might not be one of those movies that play much better on television than they do at the cinema. I was kind of thinking that. I, I think it's certainly a film that if it popped up on TV, I probably wouldn't turn it off. Mm. I think I think a lot of Sorkin is like that as well. I think again, it comes down to the snappiness of this dialogue and the speed of the scenes and the way they're structured. Mm. Like the, the scenes. In fact, I think this film may not meet his standard actually, insofar as. His scenes have stories within them, you know, they move from one place to another and they resolve. And I think actually in this they don't so much. They feel more kind of open ended and and loose. Which is actually kind of dissatisfying. It's just not quite what I expected from him. I think although there is some very snappy dialogue and there's some great jokes, a lot of it is actually kind of kind of loose, or looser than I would have expected from him. I don't know if that is down to the writing or if that's down to the way it's directed. But it's it's not there is something kind of this is like a 7 out of 10 sort of from him. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas he's done, you know, Moneyball and, and, and The Social Network and A Few Good Men where everything is super fucking tight dialogue-wise and scenes, yeah. the structure of the scenes-wise. Anyway, I was very disappointed uh, and I was very much looking forward to it because it was like practically the only new film that's been showing it like at Birmingham and I, you know, I think we should say a note of it. It's, I don't understand why film companies do this. Like, 
the last few weeks in Birmingham, all you could bloody see was like Star Wars, right? Star Wars is playing in every cinema, even including all the art cinemas. It drives me crazy, right? And they're not the shows are not even sold out. Like, you know, there's an opportunity to be showing something else alongside kind of Star Wars. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, so the, for the people who've already seen that film to continue to be able to continue to go to the cinema. It's what, it's what, it's what bloody Star Wars does. I mean, Tarantino got really annoyed at them um, when, they, when they came out with... Uh, the Force Awakens, because there's a 70 mil cinema. He just he just he was releasing the Hateful Eight at the time, which was filmed on 70 mil and all the rest. Like you know, his Tarantino way of doing it proper, or whatever. Um, and they had a they had a pre existing deal with a cinema. I forget which one it is, but some big cinema in, in LA that was going to show it. And Star Wars basically f- forced the cinema to drop it to play Star Wars instead. I think it might have been. I think it was resolved, but nonetheless, that's a pretty shitty thing to do. And that's what Disney does. Yeah. Disney's taken all everything over. They've got Fox now. Yes. You know what they've got? They've got. I think are they in Marvel as well? Isn't Marvel a Disney thing? Yes, I think it is. So before you know it, they'll own the world. They'll own yeah. the world. Um, anyway, that you know, I just thought we we mentioned that because the thing is, I don't think they sell any more tickets. No screening that we've been to was actually sold out. There are no lineups to go into the cinema. There are no queues for anything, right? So, so the thing is that, you know, a, a film with, what is it, 11 screens or 12 screens? A, a cinema a multiplex with 12 screens. Yeah, you could yeah. be showing other things, you know. Uh, uh, I, um, I think they'd get more customers if they had a more diverse program and if you didn't have, like, a screening of Star Wars every half hour because they're, they're not sold out. Yeah. So That's risk for you, isn't it? No one likes risk. Anyway, we, you know, when I was waiting for you at the cinema, it felt like a desert. There was almost no one there. I was surprised when we actually went into the film and there were people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. We saw it late, though. But, um, uh, but to be fair, they were already in there. We were 15 minutes late coming into it. Um, everyone, everyone... So we didn't miss the beginning of the film. No, no, no. no yeah, just, uh, <laughs> we we missed, missed the most trailers, trailers but, and adverts. But uh, no, we, we don't miss the start of the film. But um, but people were in there yeah, in advance mm. of that. Um but we should say that, because uh, we've been Hollywood heavy basically since we started this. Well, it, it, we're restricted by what's available in Birmingham. To yeah, start. up to a point. But like, there is stuff around, and I think we could do a better job, as you said, yes. um, of seeing it. Like, it's not, it's not impo- We are in second city, right? It's, 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 not, it's not impossible to see other things. It's pretty bad, but not impossible. So, what, so in the next few days, we, we're seeing Human Flow, yes. which is the eye way we film yes documentary uh happy end yes which is the new uh hanukkah. hanukkah and mountains made apart which actually i don't know anything about well uh i the director's name is something like Zhao jing he's a very famous chinese director <laughs> shall i find it yes please I, and we, it'll still be a problem pronouncing it i'm sure we'll pronounce it wrong but at least let's make the effort mountains made apart jia shangi shanki Gia Shanky, I think. Okay. Um, so. Which, uh, yeah, so know nothing about that. Yeah. But uh, point is, we are going to see three non-English language films. Yes. As far as Finally. I'm, uh, I'm assuming that uh, Hanukkah is non-English language. I think it's in France, isn't it? Uh, I don't know, actually. I, 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 well, you know how it is with these things. I don't wanna, I'd like to read as little as possible in advance. Well, so would I, but I would like to know if it's English language. I mean, that's fair enough. It stars Isabelle Huppert and Jean-Louis Trintrignon. That sounds French to me. Sounds pretty bloody French <laughs> language, French and English. So. Um, 
point okay. is, we're not seeing Star Wars for the next few days. Good. So we won't do a third podcast on on, on Star sure. Wars. We didn't get a very good listenership on the second. <laughs> well, well, I think you know every, everyone's, everyone's been waiting to see it, so they don't so we don't spoil it for them, which is mm. fair enough. But you know, Dumbledore dies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, let's end it here. Actually, I think um, you know anything to sum up uh, Molly's game with. Uh, it's a really intelligent film that's not complex enough as a film to support the brilliant performance that Jessica Chastain gives. Fundamentally, it ends up going down roads you've seen before mm. and trying to hit pretty hackneyed emotional beats, which is a real shame because there's material in there. Yes, good. That deserves more. Good. Bonsoir. Bon- <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Can <laughs> <laughs>